to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Have you ever had this amazing idea and you decide, uh, you find someone that can do the training and so you decide to bring someone in, train the people in your company on this new initiative that you have and you are just positive that this is going to absolutely revolutionize the way that you do business. Uh, people are going to sit through this training. You know, at the end, they're going to be in tears. They're so excited and amazed at what all this can do, only to turn around a couple months later and say, and that person came into that training and yet nothing has changed at all. It happens companies of all sizes. You know, some companies have internal training departments. Some you just, you go out and you hire someone to do a particular training for you uh, to help develop the, the leaders in your company or to help even develop the frontline employees in your company to help implement a new initiative or a new style or a new approach to something. But what we oftentimes fail to do is figure out how do we evaluate this training to make sure that it's actually effective. What what are the steps that we put in place to ensure that this works, that it's effective, and that there are actually results that we can uh, see and experience as a result of the trainings that we've had? On today's show, you're going to learn about the Kirkpatrick model. You're going to learn this straight from Jim Kirkpatrick, who's, who's created a model, has implemented this model, has done this with uh, many types of organizations to prove how evaluating a training program can actually work, help change behavior, and provide results. Uh, it's some incredible information. You can go to their website to get more details, but uh, I highly recommend that you take a look at this and how it can make an impact on the training that you're going to have within your organization. If you make a decision to invest in training in your company, you need to make sure that it's actually working and it's not just a complete waste of money. So don't just assume that people are going to be excited because you're excited about something. Instead, make sure that you are finding a way to evaluate, to ensure that the behaviors are changing and that the results are there from the training that you're bringing into your company. And today we're going to talk about how you can do that through this amazing Kirkpatrick model. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen this week. Uh, as always, be sure you subscribe to the show, leave a comment or notes. If you have any questions for us, please don't hesitate to reach out at podcast at employerblueprint.com and have an amazing day. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining us again this week on the Employer Blueprint podcast uh, as we bring to us Dr. Jim Kirkpatrick. And uh, Jim has created a just a really interesting model uh, that helps us determine and evaluate the effectiveness of training in the workplace. Um, as uh, many of you have experienced, you know, we bring in a training, we've got a great idea, we're going to help everyone understand and get on the same page. And then we turn around six months later and say, well, remember that thing that we did? What, what's whatever happened with that? And so um, Jim's created a great model to help alleviate that problem and, and make it the most valuable that it can be within our organization. So Jim, first and foremost, thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, and then what I'd love to do is just hand this over to you. And why don't you walk us through your kind of history and experience and what has led ultimately to where you are now and the passion that you have in creating this model that you've got. All right, Kyle, it's good to be with you. And I appreciate you asking me to do this. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, quite a few different uh, career paths and situations. Uh, I was a 
a fisheries biologist in Wisconsin and high school teacher and clinical psychologist. And one day I found myself being a training director for a bank in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah. I'm not sure how I got there, but I, but well, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't totally an accident, yeah. but I, I can tell you that I didn't really know that much about training. I kind of talked my way into it and I figured I better figure out quick what, it really is all about at least some of the, the depth of it. And I ended up uh, going to hear a visiting professor talk about training and training evaluation. And I was taking notes. I was thinking that makes a lot of sense. And that visiting professor was my dad, Don Kirkpatrick, who had come to Indianapolis from the University of Wisconsin. And he developed the original Kirkpatrick model back in the 50s. Oh, wow. And what I've done since then working with, with Wendy is what we call the New World Kirkpatrick model. Yeah, which is much more powerful. And Kyle, what you said before, it's not just about taking the training and people being happy with it, but it's ultimately has to serve the business, serve the mission of the organization. And we've kind of cracked the code on that. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that we often see in um, the, the small and midsize business environment is um, we we make a decision that we want to get some additional training. We want some, some development within the organization. Um, you know, oftentimes we're able to find a way to justify the expense of that. But then once we do it, uh, just nothing ever happens from it. You know, maybe we send a few people to the training. Maybe we've got someone on site. If we're a large enough company, we actually have someone that's, you know, that, that is in training and development in the company. But it becomes sort of white noise within the organization. And ultimately, um, the goal of any training is to have an impact to the bottom line. It's to have all, all results. But uh, what, are you, what are you finding happening out there in our market today with these training departments? Because oftentimes, we're, we're seeing them become um, uh, obsolete. You know, a lot of companies are kind of getting away from this because they aren't seeing the actual results. Uh, are you experiencing that in your world as well? Oh, I certainly am. And I travel around the world and work with the U.S. government and military and mm -hmm. for-profit organizations. And what I see happening is there's a basic premise that's a false one. And that is that if you develop and deliver the right training, ultimately it will lead to performance uh, improvements and bottom line, as you mentioned. That's not yeah. true. Um, there's no training in the world that could possibly deliver in and of itself that would lead to those kind of those kind of results. But right. people are still holding out hope, coming up with new products and new new gimmicks and, and different things in hopes that it will win the day and it won't. The key issue is you've got to get people to actually apply what they learned or there will be very few results. But I'll tell you, Kyle, it's a minefield out there. We call it Kirkpatrick Level 3 application on the job, the, yeah. the, the behaviors, because a lot of times, as you suggest, we'll find out people aren't applying it. And then, the, then bad things can happen because the senior leaders can say, uh-oh, that's on my watch. I don't want to hear that. And the yeah. training people say, we better not go there and find out bad news. We better ignore that and just hope for the best. And uh, mm. Kirkpatrick model says, we don't want to hope for the best. We don't want to ignore it. We've got to go and find out the truth of what's working after the training. Yeah. And if it's not, we, we, we fix it in yeah. order to get the results. We don't want to stick our heads in the sand any longer. So it sounds like one of the big keys there is um, to be transparent enough to recognize and admit what we did did not work. And that's a hard thing to do because we never want to admit that that we invested in something that didn't pay off. So um, what do you do? And, and, and after we get 
through this, I want to go back and I want to I want to look at the model and I want to explain that. But but on this front end piece, uh, that transparency and that willingness, that humility to recognize that it didn't work is key. What do you do to help prepare an organization to be able to do that or to shift their mindset into being able to recognize that something didn't work to begin with? Well, the first thing is we've got to convince the senior leaders that the current evaluation methods are largely a popularity contest designed to kind of make things look good in the classroom. Right. We have to really try and convince them that evaluation should be about the truth. You talked about authentic before. You talked about genuine. You talked about yeah. real. And it needs to be the truth about what's working and what isn't. That's and good. you better make sure they're, they're agreeing to that because you don't want to blindside them later when they find out, uh-oh, some things aren't happening as I thought they would. I don't want to hear that. Or I don't want to see that. So you first have to say the only way we're going to make improvements in the classroom and in the field and contribute to the mission of the business of the organization is truth and evaluation because then we can honestly make adjustments in order to maximize performance in order to have a good story at the end. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's an excellent. That's a great point. Great point. So, Jim, talk us through the Kirkpatrick model. Um, give us kind of an overview of, of what that is and how we use that in our organizations. Well, the new world model does not start with training. It starts with the business. And you've talked about bottom line before. So when somebody asks for training, some senior leader, you first want to find out what is the business need? What are the expectations from a business or mission perspective? Mm -hmm. And be clear about that. And then what kind of performance will be required in order to make that happen? You know, like, once we have the GPS address, how are we going to get there? And right. then and only then do we figure out what kind of training, what kind of support, accountability will be required in order to bring about those behaviors. We call it Kirkpatrick level three and then level four results. Rather than starting with training and throwing a bunch of training against the wall with level one reaction and level two learning, we start with the end in mind reverse engineer so that we've got a GPS address that's business-minded and we can then build a package that is designed to get there just like a GPS program. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that analogy of the GPS. I talk about that sometimes related to uh, to the results and how we define results in our, for from our leaders and to the employees and then the organization. And I love that same thing, thinking about uh, you know, with uh, with the end in mind and understanding where are we trying to get to. And as we understand where we're trying to get, then we understand what we need to put in place to make that happen. Um, well, Kyle, you just mentioned leaders. And I just want to say something briefly about that. People yeah. say that the soft skills programs don't work with Kirkpatrick. The only things that do are sales programs and things that are very mm -hmm. concrete. Mm -hmm. The reason that leadership programs typically fail is because nobody starts with the end in mind, or I should right. say few people start with the end in mind. They get all hung up in the model, all hung up with the competencies, all hung up in the activity, and they've never defined really what kind of outcomes they're looking for and what kind of behaviors that the leaders are actually going to have to perform and yeah. then make sure they do or there'll be no results. And it's, it's just not the truth to say soft skills programs don't work. It's, mm -hmm. They just don't don't identify a GPS program and mm -hmm. put the effort in to make sure people actually apply it. That's the key, the performance right. uh, level three. Yeah. And whenever you talk about putting the effort into making sure people apply, are we ultimately kind of going back to a concept of accountability within that? 
Oh, Kyle, shame on you. You've, you've used a, a negative word there, <laughs> accountability, that instills fear into a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. You know how it's going now. People start trying to hold other people accountable and they'll say, leave me alone. You're yeah. judging me. You know, you're making me uncomfortable. I'm going to get my cell phone out and take a video of this. <laughs> but that is really what it comes down to. And I think that's the biggest reason why training fails is that the senior leaders and these supervisors and managers fail to hold people accountable for those behaviors. And what we're finding more and more is using peer-to-peer -peer support and accountability yeah. to make sure people actually apply what they learned mm -hmm. as opposed to leaving it optional because human nature will defeat us if we don't have some kind of package to counter that in the workplace. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and the, the one thing that I would suggest on that as well is those senior leaders, they need to be held accountable. They need, they need to have people around them that are holding them accountable intentionally um, because if this training doesn't work or if they've implemented a new program or process, then instead of just allowing that to roll downhill and say, well, it's their fault, it's their fault because I'm the senior <laughs> leader, they, they, I believe wholeheartedly that our leaders in organizations of all sizes, whether it's a small business and you're the owner or whether you're uh, you know, a large Fortune 100 company, your senior leaders, they've got to have people around them that are intentionally and have the authority to hold them accountable to those things because accountability, and, 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 I, and you're exactly right, Jim, and I think you made a great comment there. You know, it's sort of this negative word. It does not have to be negative. Accountability doesn't have to be me coming in yelling and reprimanding you. Accountability can be a loving thing that I'm doing with someone to say, hey, just want you to know I saw this. I don't think this is the direction that you want to go. I don't think this was the intent that you had behind this. Let's recalibrate and make sure that we're on the same page. We're headed in the right direction and we're doing the things that actually have a positive impact. That's not a negative thing if it's done properly. But the people that are holding us accountable need to have the authority to do that. And senior leaders oftentimes um, avoid that type of accountability. Well, Kyle, you, you really have it exceptional insight into all this. I can tell you've been around. And the key there, I think, is to try and get the senior leaders, the sponsors of the, of the training to sign on to the initiative rather than sign off. Because what typically happens is they, they sign off, here's a check, and go forth training and try and, and give, me a, give me a return on the check that I wrote. Well, they won't be able to because right. there just isn't enough power. But you're right. The more we can get those senior leaders and their junior leaders involved in helping to encourage people who are doing well and challenge people who aren't, the faster the application is going to take place and the sooner the results that they have tasked us with will mm -hmm. occur. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we look at these four levels and we talk about these four levels, obviously the fourth results, that's that's the hardest and that's the one we're ultimately trying to get to. Um, but as I, as I kind of look through these other levels, are, would you find generally that it's this level three is sort of the breaking point? I mean, when I go from learning at level two to actually um, uh, altering behavior at level three, is that sort of that breaking the ice? Is that the, the point where we say, look, if we can get through to level three, then we're actually, all right, now we're, we're going to get somewhere. I mean, are you finding that to be the main barrier is between two and three? 
Yep. And Kyle, you just you just contradicted yourself in a, in a very interesting way. You yeah. said earlier, level four is the hardest. And then you went and talked to level three and you made a better case for level three being yeah, the hardest because true. it is. Because yeah. uh, you know what what people are doing out there? They're relying on technology and they're sending out a 90 day survey and they're mm -hmm. saying that's level three. And all they're doing is watching to see if anybody happens to be applying it. We believe that you've got to influence during the 89 days before the 90 day to make sure people have the support and accountability to actually perform their jobs. And that is the tough one mm -hmm. because a lot of people just are uncomfortable. They're impatient that they don't want to take that long, you know, that staying the course to make sure people apply it in order for the, the results to show themselves. Uh, level four is really the easiest to measure if you identify the metrics and the, and the things that will be, uh, as uh, indicators of success, but level three is, is difficult, but the key is building relationships with those people rather than sitting in your, your L and D world, your talent management world and try and reach these people through surveys and, and uh, emails. You've got to go and spend time with them and earn the right and listen to them and then build those working relationships where you're, they are seen as partners. But uh, we are so distanced from the business and we try and use automation and it just doesn't quite uh, get the job done without the human factor of sitting down with people, creating trust, and then they'll agree to help execute these, these and leverage the training that's been delivered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a scenario, Jim, and tell me how, how we break through this. Um, I've seen many a time if I'm going into a company and I'm doing some leadership development training and, and, and when I do leadership development, one of my requirements really is I want any leader at any level. So I, I do what I call managing leadership. So anyone that has mm -hmm. supervisory responsibility. And um, so I may have a room of 50 people and there may be an entry level supervisor has never supervised anybody in their life. And this is their first time they got three people working for them up to the CEO of an organization. Mm -hmm. And, the, the challenge comes in and that oftentimes certain people in the organization, especially those that have been around for a while, look at it as though this is kind of the flavor of the day um, that, well, the CEO has decided that we need more management skills. And so, that, you know, we're going to do this, um, this half day workshop or we're going to do this two day training or whatever it is. And um, they they walk out and say, yeah, that's some good information. They may even retain what they learned from it, but they haven't, you know, got to that level three where the behavior is actually starting to shift. Um, and so what do you do within an organization to help them move into this Kirkpatrick model and recognize that this isn't just something else we're going to do to check off the box and say, well, we remember we did that training last year, but mm -hmm. this is something we actually are going to intentionally invest in to, to see results and a change and a shift in the culture of our organization. How do we get companies into that mindset? Well, the first word that comes to my mind is truth. And the, and the second one is mission. In fact, I'll kind of reverse those to answer your question. The first thing is we want to make sure we're reiterating that the point of the leadership development program is about moving the mission forward. If it's mm -hmm. the military or government, it's business forward, if it's if it's commercial. So making sure that people realize that this is not just about what color are you today or what kind of animal are you or whatever, but this mm -hmm. is about moving the mission. And then it comes down to truth. And with, with all due respect, after you've listened 
listen to them and found out what their pain points and their intentions are and you help them think strategically. Then you say, we've got two choices here. One is to deliver the training and hope that somehow there's going to be some magic inspiration that happens that people will actually apply it. Right. Uh, which they, which unfortunately they won't because of right. we're, we're human and we're not yeah. wired that way. Or, and then I'd say, then you'll be picking another leadership program next year and trying that one. And That's maybe right. one the year after that. Instead, if you were really serious about this, and it sounds like you are, the, the degree to which you and your senior leaders are actively involved with this on an ongoing relationship Kyle, with you or with me, whoever is the, the keeper of the program, yeah. that will increase the likelihood that people will apply it. They will see your role modeling. They'll see you being actively challenging those who are struggling in an appropriate way and celebrating with those who are doing a good job. Mm -hmm. That will then increase the application, which will move those business and mission needles. But it's up to you. If you just want us to deliver a leadership training program, that's fine. But don't expect anything out of it. If right. your expectations are mission, then the only pathway is through level three and the hard work there. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So, um in in incorporating this model, at what point do you find that someone needs to get engaged uh, with the organization? And so, um, let me let me kind of back that question up a little bit. I guess uh, who is the model for? Who needs to be um, looking at the model and presenting that to the organization to say we need to make sure that we're doing this to evaluate the training that we're putting in place? Is it the senior leadership, or is it a training manager, or is it? Um, you know, someone that is just that is uh, kind of an outsourced 1099 that's offering training of some kind. Who needs to be talking to the company about implementing the Kirkpatrick model? Well, I would I would like to say it's the senior leaders, but unfortunately, that doesn't happen very often. The senior yeah. business leaders they just don't get it because we've dug ourselves in a hole because they just see training and L and D whatever you want to call it as a cost and not a benefit because we have not figured out how to make a good case to them. So right. it really has to come down to what I see are the senior training leaders making a case from a business perspective to a CEO or, or a, a the vice president of some area and the CFO, because this is also about saving money because you're not going down all these rabbit holes with training that isn't going to stick. The mm -hmm. GPS model works by getting you there efficiently and saving money. And so that, uh, and the key there is you're looking for people on, I call it the other side of the bridge, the, the business side, the mission side that are open-minded and mission-minded and will say, you know what, Kyle or Jim, you, you make a good case there. I, I haven't heard that approach before. Uh, and then we say to them, I appreciate your, your willingness to listen. How about if we give it one shot, one pilot program to, to conduct in order to show a proof of concept, because I know your colleagues may not feel the same way you do. They're going to need to see it to believe it. So let's do one pilot program, make sure we stack the deck at level three with the accountability and the support. And, uh, and then you senior leader, along with us, will be standing there as witnesses and testimony that there is a better way. It is the business partnership approach rather yeah. than the training event model. So look for those bright lights on the other side that you know will give you probably a, a chance to, to show how this works. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, so um, if, if someone is getting ready to um, uh, go through a new 
new uh, initiative of some kind in the business mm-hmm. and they know that they're going to be looking at, at, at some training. What's the first step that they need to do to start um, uh, adopting the Kirkpatrick model into that process as well? Where, where's the first place they need to look and what do they need to do to be thinking about how they um, really uh, look for the results in this through the Kirkpatrick model? Well, I think as Stephen Covey saying, seek first to, to understand before you you seek to be understood. Yeah. It is talking to those senior leaders and making sure that you hear them out and you're, you're, you're uh, resisting the temptation to offer solutions and offer encouragement. You've got to hear them, let them do their talking so that you can kind of identify what are their pain points or what are the, yeah. the, the vision that they have that then becomes that flag at the top of the mountain, that GPS address. Right. And then you, you've got to, uh, uh, gently say that the training alone will not get the job done. We're going to be focusing on the behaviors in the field more so than the training in the classroom. And that's when you kind of give their pitch to say, if we all work together, you know, you with the authority, with the influence and making sure that your people, your other leaders that are making commitments will keep those commitments. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, let's, let's give that a try because we know from working with other people working in the, in the army and NASA and different organizations, it yeah. does work, but it's, it's really the key about knowing where we're going from a strategic point of view and then setting the table for success uh, at level three in the, the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so give me uh, give me an example, Jim, of where you've, of how you've seen this actually work um, and the impact it's had and what kind of results you've seen from it. I mean, do you have an example off the top of your head yeah, that you can share and how this has worked? Tell us about that. There's an army base called Fort Benning, Fort Benning, Georgia. Yeah. And several years ago, worked with them on the, the mission was to reduce the, cav- the uh, casualties of dismounted cavalry due to IED explosions in, in uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because they could train people on how to use these devices you know, the soldiers to find these, you know, these, uh, these hidden, hidden IEDs and so forth. Mm-hmm. But you can give them the training and the devices, but they get over there. They didn't really know how to use them. And we kept seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, injuries and deaths. So the key there was making sure that it, that the training and the learning and the doing extended into the field. So then the, the leaders of those people who were responsible for finding the safest route, you know, to a, to a, a mission opportunity, mm-hmm. not only were trained to do it, but were reinforced to do it and coached to do it and mentored yeah. to do it uh, in the field. And we've got some great results that showed that the groups that were trained and equipped in the field with the proper leadership greatly reduced the number of explosions and the number of casualties than those who who were really untrained and, and ill-equipped. Yeah. So that's it. Wow. And then the other thing is we, we don't want to say, well, how much money did it save? <laughs> you know, we are not an ROI financial model. Uh, yeah. if, if you want to, uh, if money is the top of the mountain for you, fine. You know, if you're for a commercial, that's, that's great. But obviously the, the U S army is not a commercial yeah. organization. And so we did not dare try and convert what happened into right. dollars and cents and turn it into some financial model, but right. it was about mission effectiveness. Not, yeah. I mean, how much money are you going to put on a leg or the life of exactly. a three-year-old kid that happens to be walking? Ours is, is more on the mission rather than forcing someone to look at it as a financial model. 
Right. Well, and and I I really enjoy that. I really appreciate that because um, ultimately, I think that's where we're going to find success in any organization is when we continue to follow our mission, focus on our mission, and continue down that path. Um, and uh, you know, with the right mission and the right focus on that, uh, that's when the margin will will hit as well. And if we can, you know, if you can see results from a um, uh, as measured by lives. Uh, the yeah. the the impact that that can have in a business where it's not a life and death situation, um, you know, it can it, it's going to be pretty recognizable. And so I think that that's a that's a great example uh, to discuss. And the more we can focus on the mission and the reason for this training is to help accomplish our mission. If we're accomplishing our mission and the business model is set up properly, the margins are going to hit within that. Oh, you're you're so right. And the key is for us in talent. To- development or L&D or whatever it is to be seen not as just training providers, but as those who are helping to be the architects, the orchestrators Mm -hmm. of the post-training package and are spending time in the field with focus groups, developing communities of practice. If the people in the business side see us have reinvented ourselves to be learning and performance consultants rather than just learning providers, it gives us a much stronger point a platform because they see us as partners and not just a cost center yeah yeah excellent that's that's really good and that's and that's really the key in all of this you know when we make that investment into uh training into developing our our team and developing the people within the company um we it needs to be just that i mean i use that term investment very intentionally it needs to be an investment because there needs to be a payoff on that and um we don't want to just throw money at, at putting things in place and i do fear that occasionally what happens is we we as as leaders in the organization we occasionally put a training in place or allow someone to come in and, and show us a new way or a new way of thinking almost so we can point fingers back to it later and say, well, you were trained on that. Remember, we went through that. You should know these things. Uh, but if we don't evaluate it, if we don't pay attention to it, if we don't track it over a period of time, then it just becomes white noise. And then year after year, it becomes more and more white noise. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure I know you, you've done a lot of work with the military. Uh, it, we see that a lot there. You see it a lot in education today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening all the time in education where every year there's a new initiative that, well, if we just do these things this way, it's going to change the way students learn and they're going to be brilliant forever. Um, but every year or two, we're changing that up and we're never actually looking back to say what worked, what didn't work, what do we need to do? What were the results? And, um, and so it becomes white noise. It just becomes kind of another thing that we've got to check the box to say, we went to that orientation. We did that training. We've been at that conference and we move on. Oh, but Kyle, one of the things that is holding this all up uh, in a negative way is what you just said is taking away the scapegoat, is taking away the training scapegoat. And because the truth of it is the mission will be more impacted by the degree to which the leaders in the field and peers support and make sure people are applying it rather than the training itself. So uh, there are a whole lot of leaders that don't want uh, to lose their scapegoat, to be honest with you. You know, right. when things go bad, right. they can point to training and training gets cut. And training knows that we know instinctively that it wasn't a training issue. But if we don't have any data, any evidence to point out that they left us confident and equipped to do it, but the breakdown was in the field, the, mm-hmm. the coaching didn't happen, the mentoring didn't happen, the accountability didn't happen, that's where the problem was. That's not a benign kind of situation, but it is the only way that I think we can really make a difference in, a, in our world. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that is uh, this is excellent information, and and I love the model. I love that you are providing a way for people to make this more effective uh, in in our organizations today. Uh, Jim, tell us before we leave here. Tell us how can we get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing. I know you've got a lot of amazing, great free resources out there. Um, so, how can we learn more about that and and find out more about the model and how we can incorporate that in our business? Well, Kyle, you're right about the free resources. We have over 100 free resources for you guys, including white papers and templates and recordings. Uh, for instant access, you know, you join the Kirkpatrick community at kirkpatrickpartners.com. And we're real people. You know, you and I talked about being authentic. You're yeah. an authentic guy. Hopefully I am. Uh, yeah. We are real. We'd like to talk to you. And if you want to have a, a, you know, conversation with us, just email us anytime at information at kirkpatrickpartners.com. And uh, Wendy and I, or Wendy or I will be glad to talk to you about whatever issues that you're wondering about. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you for that, Jim. And yeah, if if you go to that homepage, folks, uh, kirkpatrickpartners.com, it is right there on the homepage. You can click there um, and you can get access to the resources that they have. And, and you know, any company, any size, um, any initiative, uh, this is something that you need to be taking a look at uh, to make sure that you're not wasting your time and to make sure that your team isn't wasting their time, even more importantly. And let, let's not do that to the folks around us. So um, go check this out. Jim, thank you so much. Just some great information. Thank you for sharing with us, taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for what you're doing out there in the market to help uh, organizations of all types. We really appreciate everything you're doing. You're very welcome, Kyle. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Yeah.